The hearth is for you if you're a business leader with a team. Here, we have conversations about how to keep growing when you feel you've reached your capacity, when what you're doing is working, but you're starting to see the cracks, when there's a gap between where you're at now and where you want to be. Here, we find ways to transition through the struggle of survival toward creating a thriving business that supports you and your team as whole humans. Your host is me, Candace Elliott. I'm a business strategist and mentor who specializes in working with business owners who are going through periods of growth, especially when you're adding more people to your team. The practices and systems that worked when your team was smaller just don't seem to fit anymore. And when you're caught in stress and reaction, it's tough to reimagine the way that you created your world of work, both your own personal one and the one that you created for others. I help people align their values and business practices to build practical, sustainable, thriving work ecosystems. And no, this isn't just some work utopia talk. To do this, I bring forward my decade-long professional background in human resources and organizational development, working with growing businesses across many sectors, and my decades-long search for meaning and wholeness which includes researching the history of work and how it came to be what it is today, practicing a trauma-informed approach to business, and integrating work, life, and spirituality into a meaningful whole. Let's take this journey together. Hello, hello, brave ones. Welcome back to the hearth. And this week, I'm going to be talking about the changing dynamics of the workforce, which is all the people who work, um, and the increasing diversity that we're seeing in workers, working people in the United States. Um, I you know, when, when I talk with employers about, uh, changing dynamics in the workforce, there are a few different things that come up. One, the main one that, uh, people talk about is generations, like generational differences between people. Um, and there's a lot of good, you know, information out there to listen to, to read about, um, what makes each generation sort of distinct and unique in the workforce and what is helpful for different generations. Um, I do think that some of that research and information, it conflates um, like age of a person with the generation that they come from, right? Like I think that some of the things that are attributed to like, for example, millennials, right? (laughs) Some of the things that are attributed to millennials 
are things that are now being attributed to the generation um, coming after millennials, right? So it's like whatever generation is entering the workforce, like it gets this category of things. (laughs) And it's because they're entering the workforce. They're figuring out how to go from, you know, being a student to being a worker, basically. Our educational system does not set people up for work, right? (laughs) So there's a huge shift that happens in whatever group is transitioning into the workforce. And, And I think that we inaccurately assign those characteristics to that group um, and and carry it with them longer than it actually deserves to be carried with them. And then I think also that we don't recognize changes that happen with people as they go through different life events as they become older, right? So we may attribute certain things to like generation, like baby boomers, uh, for example. Um, but as baby boomers are transitioning into being elders in the workforce, we need to recognize that that group of people are going to be experiencing certain things like, you know, slower cognitive speed and less physical ability and things like that. On that end, we also don't want to conflate that thing, right? You know, we don't, we don't want to miss that that really important changes are happening to this generation of people that happen to all generations of people. And so there's this life cycle of an employee throughout their, all of their working years, which like I started working when I was 15 and then probably won't stop working until I'm in my eighties. Right. That's a lot of life where work is going to be happening. And there are a lot of different life transitions that will happen along the way, you know, from, Uh, you know, figuring out the school to work transition to, you know, supporting yourself as a single person to supporting and having a family, if that's the choice that you decide to make, uh, to caring for elders, as they are becoming older, to then becoming an elder yourself. I wanted to start off with a conversation about generations um, and how we think of them in that way. Because I think that is something that we need to shift our understanding around. Like, I think that we put a lot of, there's a lot of frustration that is especially directed towards younger generations for not understanding, quote unquote, like what work is like, right? But we had to be taught what work was like as well. And there are certain things that are ingrained in how we have decided to create work that might not actually be so good for everyone that we now have the opportunity to change. So I encourage you, if you're feeling a friction between the way you're doing something and then the way that someone else is experiencing it in your workplace, that you dive into that and you inquire into it and you figure out if it's something that you're doing by default or because you think it has to be done that way, or if it is really being done in order to get you to a certain um, end goal that you have decided that you um, that your organization is shooting for. Some other dynamics um, that are happening within the changing workforce are um, the increase of racial and ethnic minority workers or global majority workers. (laughs) 
Um, and then people who are foreign born and who are working here in the United States. Um, and often these people are concentrated into non-standard work arrangements, including day laborers, seasonal workers, independent contractors, um, and leased workers. So if you're in any of these kinds of employment arrangements, like where you hire someone for a day or um, you hire people for a season or um, you lease workers or you have independent contractors, just be aware that these types of arrangements are more um, standard for racial and ethnic minorities. And that because of that, um, they experience more unstable and unpredictable work practices. So that generally negatively affects people's safety, health, well-being, and that of their families. Another trend that's happening in the workforce is the percentage of adults who are openly identifying as lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and queer. Um, and this is especially um, prevalent among the younger folks who are entering into the workforce. Um, and so ensuring that you have a workplace that is supportive, inclusive, and safe um, for all of these folks. And then another trend that I kind of I touched on a little bit, but is that we have a multi-generational workforce right now. And the proportion of older workers has risen as and is continuing to rise. And it's going to keep growing through 2050 is what the research is showing. So just considering the needs of people as they are as they are getting older and as they are continuing to work and to need to work. Um, some of the research that has gone on has shown that um, folks who are LGBTQ and women um, experience more exclusion, discrimination, and violence in the workplace um, than other groups. And that especially women of color and immigrant women face other kinds of forms of harassment and discrimination. Another piece of this is that working mothers are often not provided with the support and resources that they need in order to balance work demands and um, reproductive plans and caregiving. So like, birth <laughs> and taking care of an infant um, and then, you know, caregiving as children get older. And so they tend to fall into a lower socioeconomic status bracket. Um, and if you're a, a woman and a person of color at the same time, then you have this, um, uh, things exponentially get, get worse. Some other dynamics that are happening for younger folks is that um, they are more likely to visit an emergency room for a work-related injury. So those are folks between the ages of 15 and 24. So thinking about, um, you know, education around safety in the workplace is important. Um, when I was, I think it was like 19 or 20, I had to go to the emergency room cause I burned my hand, uh, as a, I was working as a barista and the milk in the thing boiled over onto my hand. And, um, 
you know, it wasn't like I was uh, not paying attention to what I was doing or anything like that, but it, you know, it just, that happened at that time in my life. So just like a real life example for you there. And then, you know, if we kind of understand, I'm listing all of these different things because there are so many different kinds of dynamics that are happening, right? From, you know, younger folks to older folks to gender identity to, you know, immigrant populations and um, people of color and all of these changing dynamics. There is something that we can talk about organizationally, like as a business that you can do to address kind of all these different kinds of (laughs) things that are coming up. And that is to look at your institutionalized bias. And institutional bias is defined as laws, customs, and practices that systematically reflect and produce group-based inequities in any society. So it's the ways that we have created systems that make it so that things are unequal. And so as we move into this future where there is more diversity within the workforce, it's important to identify what these biases are um, and to remove things like structural exclusions um, so that they're not repeated as we move forward. This can look at um, you know, imbalanced power relationships that occur um, based on race, race or ethnicity, um, nativity, gender, sexual orientation, age, class, disability, or neurodiversity as well. Um, it can look at the unequal exposure and susceptibility to workplace hazards. Um, it can look at the inequitable distribution of um, injury or illness or um, inequitable distribution of finances. And then it's also really important to understand that workers who fall into multiple categories of socially marginalized groups experience overlapping structural inequities. So, you know, for, I talked about women and women of color previously, women have a certain set of inequities that are a part of the systems that we currently have in place. People of color have another set of inequities that are a part of the systems that we have in place. And women of color are, Um, at the mercy of those overlapping structural inequities. So that's how, um, you know, when you look at compensation for, um, you know, mothers in general, I think it's 75% of, or it, you know, varies a little bit, but in the 70% zone um, related to all other workers. But when you look at women of color, and their pay is 50% of other workers. So that's how um, multiple overlapping structural inequities can show up in something like compensation, for example. So what are some steps that you can take? We're going to get to that. (laughs) I guess I have well, (laughs) I've explained a bit of the problem um, that we're experiencing. Or not problem, challenge, 
for sure. So one is to, like I was talking about, is looking at your institutional bias. Like, how have you designed your company? How have you designed your jobs? How are your work agreements created? What are the technologies that you're using? Um, what are, you know, if people are commuting, what are the the um, inherent disparities in that? Um, just looking at where there is bias. Um, and when you do this work, it you might not want to see it. Um, it's a good idea to ask your staff, your people, what is difficult and what is showing up, you know, institutionally, um, and structurally in a difficult way for them. Um, and each workplace is different. So it's, you know, there's not like a standard set of questions that I can give you. That's like, here, give this survey to your staff to find out, how you have institutionalized bias into your company. Um, but we can, we can, if this is something that you want to work on, talk about your specific um, organization, what's going on there, your employee groups, and uncover some of the biases that are happening. Looking at your policies and practices um, just to see if there are inequities that you are um, creating or perpetuating through those, um, improving the way that you're collecting data so that you can understand what kind of disparities might be happening. Um, And then looking into um, inclusive technology, technology that will support all these various different kinds of, of workers, um, you know, from your, folks who are elders in the workforce to your young folks to your, you know, non-primary English speaking folks to, um, you know, all the different types of people Um, and fostering workplace inclusivity and, and empowering people. Um, And if you want to dive more into that um, inclusivity conversation, I would recommend you listen to my episode, it was a couple ones ago, episode 33 on building an inclusive and respectful workplace. Well, I feel like this one was a little bit of an octopus because there's so many different places that you can go in talking about diversity and in diversity in all of these different groups. If you have any questions or you wanted to clarify something that I said, or um, if you'd like to talk about embracing diversity in your workforce, feel free to reach out. I would love to talk with you and I'll be linking some of the research that I included in this talk in the show notes. I'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Hit subscribe to know when the next episodes come out. And if you're feeling generous, please leave a review. Reviews help other like-minded folks find their way to this resource. If something you heard today brought a smile to your face or a spark to your heart, and you'd like to connect with me, there are a few ways to do that. 
One is my newsletter where I put most of my time and energy when I'm not working with clients or with my family or working on this podcast. Sorry, social media. The newsletter is a mix of real life stories, tips and tricks, and of course, updates on what's happening with the podcast. Whenever something's going on with me or in my business, it always comes out there first. Another resource that I have for you is my guide to doing work differently. This guide takes you through four inquiries into how you can build a more sustainable and equitable work environment for yourself and your team. It's a great place if you're looking for somewhere to get started. Last, if you've got a burning question, a comment, or a situation you'd like my eyes on, you can email me. All those links are in the show notes. Take care, brave soul. Catch you next time.